You're listening to the Pines Church Podcast. To learn more, visit thepineschurch.com. Good morning, Pines Church. I am coming to you via video because I am in South Carolina at a huge youth rally. So unfortunately, I'm not there with you in person. Hopefully you've had the opportunity to be able to hang out with Jess and the kids. And I will be back next week, but I actually have an amazing treat for all of you. I have something huge up my sleeve. We have a guest minister today. Now I've known this man and his wife for over seven years. And over that time, they have poured so much wisdom and counsel, encouragement, finances into Jess and I and this church from the very beginning. And so I want you to know that this man that's getting ready to take the pulpit is a trusted and safe voice. He is rich in his knowledge of the Word of God, and he is anointed prophetically to be able to speak into not only our church in the journey that God has called us to, but into your individual lives. So I really want you to be at the edge of your seat, waiting in anticipation and expectation to hear a word from the Lord. I want to say this, that this is a man of God with high character and and high integrity. And I believe that he has a word for us for this season of life. So would you please stand to your feet and help welcome with a warm Pines Church welcome, Pastor Joe and Lena Chabot, all the way from Central Connecticut. Hallelujah. Praise God. I want to meet that guy he's talking about. (laughs) You may be seated. Man, I love Matt and Jess. I love this family. It is an honor to be here this morning. And um, I am just, I'm blown away. As somebody who planted a church almost 10 years ago in April of 2013, it'll be 10 years that we planted Litchfield Hills Church up in Connecticut or down in Connecticut. And uh, to see where you're at, and only a year and a half, two years going out, or two, whatever it is, two years, is amazing. It's amazing. It's a blessing to me to come here and to see all y'all, which is a real Southern term, doing so well. So um, you have in Matt, you have, uh, he's a brother. He's a warrior. I absolutely love it. I'm Matt, I met Matt through John Bevere's ministries um, when I started following John and listened to some of John's teaching and utilizing them to grow our church. I called into John's office because I wanted a connection with Messenger International and Matt was my contact. And so Matt was really just taking in the beginning, just taking my orders. We were placing orders for books and he was making sure that we were taken care of. And after talking to Matt on the phone after several orders, I just simply said to him, I said, hey, do you do any guest preaching? He said, well, yeah, I'd like to. And um, I said, well, I'd like to have you come out to Connecticut. So we, we sent Matt and, uh, Matt and Dominic came up. Dominic, I think was only four, five, five, six, whatever. How, he's, yeah, so he's little. Dominic's tall now and getting taller all the time. And so Matt came out and blessed our congregation and we formed a brotherhood. And so it's an honor to be here this morning. Before I get started and I open up in prayer, a couple of the things I wanted, things that I've noticed, I'm looking and watching and, and observing and, and, and taken back because I, I told my wife, write that down, write that down. We're, we're stealing from all y'all. <laughs> I, I, write that down. I want to take stuff back to Connecticut. And um, the worship team, worship team, can you raise your hand? Worship team, you guys are awesome. 
Do you know God, God, sent the, God sent the worshipers ahead of the warriors? And so the worshipers go ahead of the warriors. So now that I've called you out and said that you're so awesome, I'm going to speak the rest of the morning to the warriors. Amen? Because the warriors come behind the worshipers to do God's work. And there's a lot of work to be done, not only up here in Bangor, Maine, but around the United States and around the world. Amen. So I am thrilled. You, you guys, your instruments of voice and music blessed me. I was able to enter into the presence of God Almighty, and he used you mightily this morning to usher in Holy Spirit here this morning. Amen. So a little background. I just also have to find out. I want to check just, I like to know who I'm speaking to. Is there anybody in here of Italian descent? Let me see your hands if you're Italian. Okay, so Lena, you got like three people here to support you. My wife is, family is from Italy. Is there anybody of Canadian descent? Any Canadians? And I've got one way up in the back. Well, we've got, we've got some Canadian blood and some Italian blood, and, but really we've got the blood. We've got the blood of Jesus Christ that unifies all of us here this morning, amen? And so I am so excited about what God is doing. Let me, let me open up in prayer. Father, I pray right now that I would fully surrender to your use, Holy Spirit, that I would decrease and you would increase. Oh, that you would use me for your glory this morning, that you would help me to articulate the message you gave here today, that you would prepare the hearts of my brothers and sisters, that they would have fertile soil in their hearts, that this word would go into their hearts and it would take root and it would grow and produce a crop 30, 60, 100 fold for your glory. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. The name of my sermon this morning or my talk this morning, incidentally, before I get into my talk, you, it, it's so cool that you got two sermons here this morning. Brother Jake, I'm listening to you do announcements and doing the tithe, and I'm saying, uh, that, that guy's, you're going to preach, brother. You're going to preach. I, I just wanted to go home after you finished preaching there. I said, done. Honey, let's get in the car, go back to Connecticut. That was awesome. And so I'm prophesying over you right now, saying that someday you will be preaching, because I felt that in, when you were talking. So, And if it's not of God, then throw it away. And if it is of God, remember, I told you first. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. It's okay to have fun. God's kids got to have fun. I know our Lord has a sense of humor. You know why? Chihuahuas. I'm, that's on my list of things to ask Jesus. What were you thinking about when you created the Chihuahua? So the, today's talk is to dream the impossible dream. And if you're old like me, which none of you are really, is maybe a few that may be approaching the baby boomer and above crowd. Every year we would watch Jerry Lewis do the Jerry Lewis Marathon, and at the end of the Jerry Lewis Marathon, he'd play this song, To Dream the Impossible Dream, in which every year, inevitably, it would provoke tears streaming down your face if you watched. So I'm going to take a little different spin on that, To Dream the Impossible Dream. I want to speak to you about God and how he has a dream for his children, Proverbs 29, 18 says, where there is no vision, the people perish, but he that keepeth the law, happy is he. That's the King James Version. This scripture is speaking of a revelation of God's word, understanding that we need to understand what God 
that God is the giver of dreams, aspirations, visions. And I want to discuss this scripture and others through three real life stereos, st- stories. I recently saw through um, Give Him 15, Dutch Sheets had this story, which I'd like to read to you today. Does this tip back a little now? As he was a kid, his father, as a horse trainer, was moving from stable to stable, from ranch to ranch, training horses. Thus, the boy's school career was constantly interrupted. One day, when he was a senior, the teacher asked him to write a paper about what he wanted to be when he grew up. He didn't hesitate a minute. He sat down and he wrote a seven-page paper about his aim to be the owner of a horse ranch. He wrote the details. He drew the location of the buildings on the property, the stables, even a detailed plan of what the house would look like. Two days later, he received his paper back from his teacher with a big red F on the top of the page. After class, he went up to the teacher and he asked, why did I receive an F? The teacher responded, this dream is so unrealistic for a boy like you who has no money, no resources, and comes from an inerrant family. There is no possibility you will ever reach your great goals one day. Then the teacher offered him to rewrite the paper with more realistic attitude. The boy went home to his father and asked his father how he should act. The father answered, he said, this decision is very important to you, son, So you have to make up your own decision. After several days, the boy brought the paper back to his teacher. No changes were made. He said to the teacher, you keep the F, I'm keeping my dreams. To this day, Monty Roberts owns a 4,000 square foot house in the middle of a 200 acre horse ranch. He still has that school paper framed, hanging above his mantle. Amen? Another story, Sparky. The story about a young misfit named Sparky who dreamed and he created many obstacles, tried to stop him, but he dreamed and he survived. For Sparky, school was almost impossible. He failed every subject in the eighth grade. In high school, he flunked physics, Latin, algebra, and English. You're not alone, Sparky. (laughs) He didn't do well in sports either. He managed to make schools golf. He managed to make the school's golf team, but promptly lost um, the only important match of the season. Sparky was socially awkward. He was astonished. He was astonished if a classmate would even say hello. And dating? Well, forget about that. That was totally out of the question. Sparky was a loser, and everyone knew it. Someone somehow he rolled with it, and he learned to be content. Drawing was very important to Sparky, and he was proud of his artwork. Here, too, he would suffer rejection as his drawing submissions would be turned down by Disney. And even his school yearbook turned down his drawings. More losers, more losses for the loser. Sparky decided to write his own story, a story told in cartoons. He described himself as a little boy who was a loser and a chronic underachiever. That little boy in the cartoon who was rejected again and again would be known worldwide as Charlie Brown. 
The Peanuts comic strip helped Charles Schultz go from misfit to sensation. His fortune, how fortunate for Charles, Charles Schultz and the cartoon lovers everywhere that he continued dreaming. Had he not, the creative wit and imagination in him would have stayed locked up in the brilliant mind. His dream would never have been materialized and his destiny would have been lost. When God formed you in your mother's womb, it wasn't just the bringing together of cells and tissues to create a human being. As he was forming you and I into your, in your mother's womb, what he started to do is he started to fashion in you dreams, goals, talents, skill sets. Each and every one of us in this room here today have God-given skill sets, abilities, some of which we're aware, some of which we have yet to discover about ourselves. In fact, when is it, Taylor is a, a guitar player? Tyler. Tyler. When, where is Tyler? Tyler's somewhere way up there. Tyler, before you picked up the guitar, you didn't know you could play the guitar. And once you started to open your mouth, in the beginning, you probably didn't know, well, can I even sing? And I can tell you, you can sing. <laughs> and you can play, and you should keep doing both. Skill sets, talents, why? Read the Old Testament when God selected the artisans to build the temple. He handpicked certain people and said, go and get this guy. He's a master in bronze and, and bronze work. And this one's a master carpenter. And he hand selected them to build the temple. Each and every one of you in here has a skill set. Some of you may be in business for yourself. In the past, prior to going into ministry full-time, I've owned four of my own companies. I have this entrepreneurial side, and I think it's important that we encourage the entrepreneurial spirit in each and every person in church and around the world. Because your entrepreneurial spirit, maybe you don't end up owning and operating your own business However, with an entrepreneurial spirit, if you are employed by somebody else, you'll work for that man or woman as if it was your own company. The difference between, is this better? The difference between an owner's mentality and an employee mentality. An employee walks into a company, sees a piece of paper on the ground and goes like this, oh, somebody dropped some paper. A business owner mentality comes in, he sees a paper on the ground, he bends down, he picks it up because he wants it clean for the rest of the employees and his customers. God's kids should always work at everything as though we are the owners because we don't work for the company that pays our paycheck. We work for the king of the universe. We work for him. Business owners. The world needs business owners. People keep saying, Pastor, we got to pray for America. We, and I'm not opposed to praying for America, but nowhere in the Bible does it say that Jesus is coming back to restore America. Jesus is coming back for his church. You want to rebuild America? Rebuild the dream in people's hearts so they can understand who they are in Christ and they can go out and build the kingdom. And once the kingdom is built in America, America will be restored. So it starts that way. It starts through dreams. There was another gentleman named R.G. Letourneau. 
R.G. Letourneau dropped out of high school. He began working in an iron foundry at the age of 14 in the year 1901. Numerous tradesmen jobs later, he discovered a passion for machinery. Initially, as an auto mechanic, he would later, um, he would later be the manufacturer of the largest earth-moving equipment on the planet. At the age of 28, he returned from a period of, with the Navy serving our country in World War I to a car dealership, which he was a half-owner. That was the year he was steeped deep in debt due to a partner who took to drinking. R.G. Letourneau turned, um, removed himself from the business with $5,000 in debt. The year was 1915. Ouch. Jobless and beyond broke, he jumped at the opportunity to, to level some land for a wealthy rancher. R.G. claimed that this experience was the most satisfying job he had ever held. Letourneau slowly expanded to larger and larger leveling contracts. He continually underbid his competitors to win the jobs and then would scramble to invent machinery to speed up the work to keep him from going broke. Although there were many technological advances in other areas of commerce in the early 1900s, in the world of earth moving at the time, it was still in the Stone Age. Roads were being built by employing large numbers of men with shovels and utilizing mules to drag small plows. R.G. Letourneau was among the first road construction contractors to introduce machinery to the moving of the earth. The year was 1919, and as a Christian, he felt the tug to be doing more for God. He went to his pastor, Reverend Duvall, for advice. R.G. thought that anyone who was wholly committed to Christ had to become a pastor or a missionary to truly fulfill the Great Commission. After deep prayer with his pastor, R.G. Letourneau was shocked to hear his pastor say these words that guided him the rest of the life. God needs businessmen too. God needs businessmen too. This was a revelation to R.G. He immediately began to consider his business to be in partnership with God. Still, R.G. Letourneau was puzzled as to why God would choose him to be his businessman, especially when at the age of 40 in the year 1927, a big construction job went bad and put him $100,000 in debt. But as R.G. remarked later, after seeing what God could do to restore a business and a life, he uses the weak to confound the mighty. For history buffs, the end of 1920s marked a unique event in American history and started the Great Depression. Not exactly the best time to uh, lift your eyeball or be up to your eyeballs in debt when you're uncertain how you're going to feed your wife and kids. The following story highlights the miracle that God performed while R.G. faithfully served God, not man. A surety company that had backed R.G. Letourneau on the construction job that posted a $100,000 loss was going to see to it that R.G. paid them back every penny owed. So R.G.'s next job, the surety company demanded that R.G. work on Sundays or else they would foreclose on his business, his house, and everything. Since R.G.'s business partner was God, he gave the problem to God to solve. The owner of the surety company, Mr. Hall, boarded a train to officially shut down R.G. Letourneau. Upon arrival on the job site the next day, something miraculously occurred. The surety man had a change of heart and allowed R.G. to continue. Although the job was completed without working on Sundays, R.G. was still deep in debt. 
He was able to buy some time with his creditors by committing to improve his financial report. The surety company installed an accountant named Mr. Frost to rein in on the books. Mr. Frost found that he was worse off than he originally expected. Meanwhile, R.G. skipped his yearly missions pledge for the year before so that he was committed to making good with the Lord. He told Mr. Frost that he had pledged $5,000 to his church for missions. Mr. Frost couldn't believe it. R.G. was far behind. Even thinking of donating to the Lord was out of the question, but Mr. Frost didn't realize who R.G. was partners with in business. Unbelievably, the business managed to stay afloat. The mission's commitment was paid full that year, and then the business had a breakthrough. For R.G. Laternal had sold machinery he built for himself when he got a little behind financially. Although he still considered himself, first and foremost, a road construction contractor, the selling of his earth-moving equipment inventions had been a profitable sideline for him. R.G.'s attorney hinted at the idea of solving his financial woes by going full force into manufacturing business rather than rolling the dice on being a contractor. After that, R.G. then turned to complete his focus on manufacturing the um, uh, machinery for moving earth. After that, his financial woes were a thing of the past. Listen to this, folks. The year was 1932. This is the first year of making equipment, bulldozers and big earth-moving equipment. His net profit in 1932 was $52,055.61. That's not even a bad year's salary today. 1934, his net profit was $340,275.49. Year 1938, his profit, net profit, was $1,412,465.68. That's in 1935 dollars. Do you know what that is today? That's a, ginam, a, a, a ginormous improvement in wealth. His wife, I love, I love godly women. His wife, Evelyn, gently nudged him and said, why don't we start thinking about tithing 90% and living on 10%? How many of you, what, what, what an awesome thing that would be to give 90% of your wealth away and have 10% left and that 10% is more than you're currently making now. Sign me up for that program, amen? <laughs> amen? By 1959, after giving $10 million in donations to religious and educational works, the Laterno Foundation is still worth $40 million. Matthew 6.33, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. I get so emotional when I think of the love that our God has for us. And I get so emotional at how lazy I've been at seasons in my life and how I've held back from God when God wants to move you forward with blessing upon blessing upon blessing. In this very theater this morning, there's people in here who should be in business for yourself. There's some of you that you've had a tug on your heart to go into business, but you're afraid and you're scared of what it means to go into an uncertain economy. Think of R.G. Laternal. If you ever want to read his book, one of the books about R.G., there's several. It's called um, A Mover of Men and Mountains. A Mover of Men and Mountains, R.G. Laternal. And he invented, and you see the, the list of the machines that this man, all through the vision of God. Do you realize in the early days of the United States Patent Office, 
90% of the patents that came through were from, were from Christians? Deuteronomy 8.18 says, You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you the power to get wealth. And he may confirm that he may confirm his covenant with you that he swore to your fathers to this day. Does God want you to be wealthy? Yes. Does it, it says poverty is a curse in the word of God. Does he want money to own you? No. He wants you to own money. He wants to flow through you to others. He doesn't want to flow to you for you. He wants to use you as a conduit to, to pour out wealth. The poor can't help the poor. So make yourselves available. He doesn't care about your ability. He cares about your availability. You make yourself available to the Lord and say, Lord, what would you do with me today? What do you love to do? I, when I, I did over 10,000 talks to high school students. Before I went full-time ministry, I worked in college admissions. My background is the trades. I worked as a cable splicer. I did low voltage. I, owned a, I was a part owner of a bakery, part owner of a Quiznos franchise. We owned a daycare that my wife ran for 10 years. We had a, de a small desktop publishing business. I love being in business. And now I'm in God's business. What, what, what do we do? We, we, we sell. We don't sell. We give it away. Everything we give in our business, we give away. We give away hope, the hope of love and love of Jesus Christ. But there's attributes to running a church that are the same as running a business. And you got to run it that way for God. And so I wanted to come here this morning to share with you just a few more scriptures and to encourage you that God has placed a dream and a vision inside of you. And I'm going to encourage you to move forward in his timing. Luke 16, 10. If you are faithful with little things, you can be faithful with larger ones. Proverbs 10, 4. Lazy people are soon poor, but hard workers get rich. They say, well, wait a minute. I've been a hard worker all my life, and, I, and, and I've never gotten rich. Well, did you listen to Luke? If you got a, a, a house, over, a roof over your head, you're rich. If you got food in your refrigerator, you're rich. Even if you're down to your last half quart of milk and two or three pieces of stale bread, you're rich. We, we, our church helps a, a, a family in Kisi, Kenya, it's a little orphanage. We, we dug a well for them. They don't have a single room that has solid walls. They don't have a single floor that's not dirt. The, the, the kids wear shoes. They've never had their own pair of shoes that were ever bought for them and nobody else. They wear used shoes. Some of them even match. Some of the pairs of shoes they wear even match. We are wealthy. My son, uh, my oldest son went in college. When he was in college, he went to Uganda. And um, on a missions trip, and he came back and he wrote a paper for college. And the title of the paper was, Congratulations, You Suck. And it was a message to himself. Because before he went on this missions trip, he was complaining that there was no peanut butter in the cabinet. We had, day before grocery day or whatever, he went to the cabinet for peanut butter and he was all bent out of shape. Because God forbid you go to make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and the main ingredient is not there. So he had this self-realization of how blessed we are in the United States. How blessed we are. And so this dream, this vision, what does it mean for me? What is on your heart? What is God calling you to do? 
Colonel Sanders didn't start Kentucky Fried Chicken until he was in his 60s. I love watching Shark Tank because I love when the young entrepreneur, we saw this young, my wife and I, were, we were sitting there, we were watching this young lady come in. She was, what, 14, something like that, hon? 14 years old, and every question that the sharks asked her, she was on it. She knew her cost of goods. She knew her, her, her um, uh, customer acquisition cost. She knew everything that they asked. She was on it. And I said, that's what we need more of. We need more young entrepreneurs. Why? Because when you are out there working and producing, and if you're working as though unto the Lord, marketplace ministry. What's your first name, sir? Colby. Colby, Colby you're out. How old are you? 17? 18. 18. You're 18 years old. And right now, there is a need for young, godly, 18-year-old men who love Jesus first and foremost, who appreciate the blessing of who they are. You, if you don't know, I'm going to encourage you to know who you are in Christ fully. Because you're not Colby, what the world says. You're not Colby, what social media says. You're Colby, son of the living God. You're Colby, created in the image of Jesus Christ. You're Colby with the infilling of the Holy Spirit, the same resurrection power that raised Jesus from the dead. That's who you are. You're, you're, you're this modern-day superhero that doesn't need Marvel's help. You're Colby, God's kid. And when you walk through life like that in a spirit of humility... And ask God, God, here I am. I give myself all of who I am to you. Show me the gifts, talents, and skill sets that you've given me that I could give back to you and build your kingdom as my gift of service unto you, Lord. Watch out what he would do. You avail yourself to God. And man, Colby, your future is going to be. Now, will it always be free from sorrow and hurt and pain? No, that's life. That's part of life. Jesus said you'll always have trouble in this life, but take heart, I've overcome the world. No matter what you go through, Jesus is there with you. So if you're going to go through some pain, you might as well go through it a guy who experienced the pain. He experienced the ultimate pain. Jesus needs you. He created you, not because he had nothing else to do. He was bored someday. He created you. He said, ah, Colby, I'm going to make you. You're a warrior. And he's calling you into his service. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you your heart's desire. He will give you your heart's desire. Take delight in the Lord. That, you know, when, when I see, when I see um, uh, Matt, Matt's and Jess's youngest son, um, Ethan. Thank you. <laughs> you experienced a senior moment. Uh, I see Ethan just walking around. All he has is a snack and a smile. That's all Ethan needs at this point. Snack and a smile. That's delighting. He, delight in the Lord. When you walk through life, Colby, you got Jesus. He is your nutrition. He is your everything. He is everything you need. You got your snack. You bring the smile. Matthew 7, 7. Keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives and everyone who seeks finds and everyone who knocks the door will be open. Is that just nice Christianese? Something that makes a good poster? Maybe a t-shirt? A nice card to send to somebody? Or are we going to start as God's children holding God accountable for his word? 
God, you said that your word will never return void. You said that you're not a man that you should lie. You said that if we speak your word, we can expect results. We, as God's children, got to walk in the authority that he's given us. He has given us the authority to say that. Lord, Lord, I've been asking for so-and-so. I've been asking for their salvation, Lord. You told me to ask for their salvation. Your word says that none should be lost. Your, your word says that whosoever shall accept the Son of God shall not die but have eternal life. You said that, Lord. You said that you stand at the doorway of our hearts knocking. Lord, I'm praying and I'm going to stand on your word until so-and-so accepts you as his Lord and Savior. Lord, you said that I can be healed. Your word says that you bore my infirmities on the cross. I know a God who personally heals. My five-year-old, or not my, my youngest son, Daniel, when he was five years old, he was diagnosed with epilepsy. He had a grand mal seizure. We brought him to Yale New Haven Hospital. They put all the, the electrodes all over his head, and they came back, and they wanted to start him on epilepsy medicine and um, all that. And we said, well, we'll just wait a minute. We were going to a church in New York. We were driving from Connecticut to New York every, every Sunday, an hour and 15 minutes, one way with three young sons, and they never complain. When God calls you to go, you go. And so I told my youngest son, he said, Daddy, I don't want to have any more seizures. I said, well, Jesus can heal you. I said, is that what you want? He says, yeah, Daddy, I want that. And I knew that my, senior, my pastor at the time was, was going to be teaching that Sunday on healing, what the Word of God says about healing. And so at the end of the service, they had a, an altar call, and they said, anybody who needs heal, healing, come on up. And, and, and Daniel said, come on, Daddy, let's go. And we went up there and I stood there and, and we told Pastor Jack exactly what they diagnosed over. And Pastor Jack looked at Daniel. He said, do you want to have any more seizures? He says, no. He says, do you know Jesus could heal you? He says, yes. And so he prayed over him. He anointed him. And he never had another grand mal seizure ever to this day. He's 24 years of age. has never had a seizure any day, the day of his life. My mother, who I was brought and raised up in the Catholic Church. I went most of my life to the Catholic Church. And my mother, I was telling her about what was happening with Daniel and the tape. And my mother was in her 70s or early 80s, I forget, 70s, I think. And she was diagnosed with bone cancer. And, and I said, listen to this, Mom. And she had a cassette player. If any of you young people in here don't know what a cassette player is, is before downloads. Well, actually, it was before CDs and DVDs. So it's right after records. It's somewhere in between, right? All right. So I gave her the tape. She played the tape. And she stopped the tape deck. And she said, she stood there in her kitchen. She says, God, if what this man is saying is true, I'm going to ask you to do it for me. And all she could describe was she felt like somebody was pouring a, a warm vat of honey from the top of her head. It flowed through her whole body. And she was consumed in the warmth, love, and promise of Jesus Christ. And she was healed from bone cancer. And she died, 90, she died when she was 94. I talked to her the morning of her death. I talked to her on her deathbed. She had a couple bleeds internally. She had, her earth suit was giving out. She was ready to get her incorruptible suit, her heaven suit. She called me in the morning. I said, she said, Joe, it's mom. My oxygen machine isn't where I said, mom, I'll be right over. I live about a mile away. She said, no, oh, no, don't worry about it. I didn't have my glasses on. I was pushing the wrong button. I said, you're good? She said, I'm good. I said, I'll stop and see you like I do every day after work. I get to work at 12 o'clock. My brother calls me up. He said, mom's in the hospital. You better come right down. I walked into the hospital room. I saw her on the, on the, on the bed and I knew that she was going home to be with Jesus. And my mother didn't like to be anybody sugarcoat anything. She wanted a straight talk. And so on her deathbed, she's laying there. And I come in, I said, Mom, it's Joe. Do you understand? She said, yes. And I said, the doctor has told us what's going on with you. Do you, do you want to know? She nodded her head yes. 
I said, Mom, you got two internal bleeds. You're too weak. Your body's too frail for them to do any surgery. Today's going to be the day you go home to be with Jesus. Do you understand that? She nodded her head, yes. My sister, I, there's seven ki- or eight kids in the family, five in the immediate area. And my sister was en route to the hospital. And the only thing my mother said on her deathbed, I said to her, I said, Mom, Michelle is almost here. Can you wait? And she says, at that point, she said, it's clear as day. She said, I've got to go. They're waiting for me. I believe that at that moment in time, my mother saw her angelic host waiting to escort her from the big blue marble into, into heaven. And so Michelle came in the room. She came to the side. She said, Mom, I'm here. We all held hands with Mom, and we sang Amazing Grace, and she just quietly went home to be with Jesus. And it was the most beautiful gift for us who our hope is in Christ. Yes, I miss my mom each and every day, but I am so excited that God opened up an opportunity for me to share the gospel with my mother and father, and I know that I'll be reunited with them one day in heaven. Guys, you've got a lot of work to do up here in Maine, and the cool thing is that you've got everything you need to do it. Everything you need to do it. You've got to get busy. You've got to be ambitious. You've got to trust the word. You've got to study the word you got to keep loving one another because there's something so attractive about a group of people who just love each other. I could feel that as soon as I walked in. As soon as I, got, I was to be, um, a part of the huddle in the, in the morning and to be in this room and to be with Matt and Jess, I know that there's love here. There's love here. God wants to do things through you. Just as the body is dead without breath, so faith without deeds is dead. And Habakkuk, last scripture for the morning. And he said to me, Write my answer plainly on tablets so that the runner can carry the correct message to others. There's something very important about you writing your visions and your dreams out, journaling them. There's something very, very powerful about you writing out what you want to do and you sitting down with another brother or sister in Christ and committing your plans to each other. There's something very powerful about a group of Christians who come together and form a Christian think tank. And you start pouring into each other and you say, hey, I'm thinking about opening up this business. I'm thinking about opening up that business. Why business? Why is business important? You could do more on your jobs Monday through Friday than Pastor Matt can do on a Sunday morning. Marketplace ministry is so important. It's so important. You are the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then everywhere you go, you invite people back on Sunday. And you keep saying, hey, come, come meet some of my friends. What do, you, what do you got going on Sunday morning? Do you know that 80% of people who are in church today came to church because somebody invited them? That's what all it takes usually is to get somebody to come in and then go out and find the lost. Find the lost and invite them in. You're, ta- you're looking at somebody who's 27 years sober. If not for the grace of God, I was headed for divorce. My wife was going to divorce me because I was an alcoholic. My father was an alcoholic. Her father was an alcoholic. I was good at it. I started in high school. I got really good really fast. Went from alcohol to drugs. Smoking pot was my gateway to snorting cocaine. And in 1995, she said to me, she says, I'm leaving you and I'm taking my two kids with me. And at the time, we had my two oldest sons were two little guys. And I said, well, I thought they were our kids, but I got to do something. At the time, I had just started a business. And a business partner invited me down to Virginia to go to a, a business seminar. And I went with my wife down. She agreed to go with me. That was, she gave me the ultimatum in April of 95. I met, um, I met this business partner in May of 95. In June of 95, I went to this business seminar. And we had always gone to church. 
I just went to church. It was the thing you did on Sunday growing up. I, you know, I went out, partied all night, Saturday night, got hammered and went home and went to church on Sunday morning and told God I want to do it again only to go back and do it again the next week. That was my, my cycle. So we're down in Virginia and I, I said, Eddie, we'd like to find, we'd like to find a church because I like to go to church on Sunday. He says, well, you don't have to worry about it. He says, they pull everybody together because there's so many people looking for different churches. We, we just have a major, uh, one big church service together. Now, mind you, I've never been to another church service outside of the Catholic Mass. I go into this Colosseum. There's 8,000 business owners from all over the country gathered in for this seminar. And this guy gets up on stage and he starts talking. And it's as if my wife wrote down a card of everything that this pastor needed to say that Joe Chabot needed to hear. And at the end, he, he had an altar call. He says, if there's anybody in here that God is tugging on your heart and you need a change in your life, I'm going to invite you to come down. I didn't even look at my wife, didn't consult with her. I, I levitated out of the chair and I went right to the altar. She sat in the chair just, what is he doing? What is going on? She, she really didn't know, understand what was going on. I think her mind was preoccupied of if I was really going to make a change or not. I went down to that altar and I said, I said, Jesus, if what I just heard is real, if you can deliver me from alcoholism, if you could save my, if you could save my marriage, I'll serve you all the days of my life. And 27 years today, I'm still overcome with the love that my God showed me. And that moment, that Sunday morning in 1995, I fully surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. He came in and he delivered me completely and fully from alcohol. I came home, we talked about it the whole time, coming home, and God gave me wisdom and how to explain. I, I'm brand new, and he, he, we talked about it. We get home, we pull into my driveway, and the first person that I led to Jesus Christ was my wife. In our laundry room, in our basement of our house, I said, this is what, what just happened. She said, what just happened? I said, you know, God wants our heart. And I, she said, That's, that makes sense. I said, it's pretty easy, right? She surrendered her life to Jesus Jesus has fully restored my marriage. I am more in love with my wife today than the first day I saw her on the gym floor class or gym floor in high school, the volleyball. The net was set up. I looked through the net and said, there she is. I'm going to marry that girl. <laughs> it only took me six years to convince her that she loved me. <laughs> 27 years. We're in our 40, um, 42nd year together as a couple. 35 years of marriage. I've got three sons, two godly, beautiful daughter-in-laws. I've got seven grandchildren's number eight on the way. My youngest son, Daniel, is 24, good-looking, Italian, God-loving man, in case there's any young ladies here. I'm looking for a wife. <laughs> looking for a wife for my son. But you got to love Jesus more than my son, otherwise you're not a candidate. God is awesome. God is awesome. Therefore, you are awesome because you were created by God and God don't make no junk. God has made incredible people here. So I, I don't even know. What time do we have? I'm going I'm to ask the worship team or somebody to come down and play some music because um, I'll just keep going and I don't want to keep going. We got to get the matinee in here, right? Thank <laughs> you.
move this aside. I know we can't do altar calls here, but here's what I, I am going to offer. I know you have an incredible prayer team over here. I am going to say that you need to make a decision. What are you going to do with the rest of your life? Are you going to live it for you or are you going to live it for King Jesus? Are you going to give him a little bit of you or are you going to give him all of you? And if you give him all of you and if you trust in his timing and if you avail yourself to the King of Kings, he will do amazing things through you. I don't care what age you are. It has no... Listen, the great equalizer is eternity. I heard eternity described this way one time. Is if God sent a bird to the East Coast to pick up a grain of sand from the beaches of the East Coast and fly over to the West Coast and deposit them on the West Coast. By the time that bird picked up every grain of sand from every beach on the East Coast and deposited it on the West Coast, eternity would have just begun. Eternity is a great equalizer. I don't care if you're 18, if you're 80. You've got a plan and a purpose and something to contribute to the kingdom of God before you change your address from this big blue marble to eternity. And so that's my altar call. I'm going to move over there to decide. I want to personally pray for you if you want prayer. If you're sick, the Word of God says, call the elders of the church. I'm one of the elders of the church. To lay hands on the sick, and they shall be healed in Jesus' name. I don't have that power, but He has that power. And I'm His conduit. And I will pray over you. You come up with an expecting heart. When people came to Jesus, they said, Jesus, if you're willing, He's I'm willing. Jesus hasn't stopped being willing. He's willing to heal. Are you ready to receive? Are you open enough to receive from the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? Are you open to say, yes, I'm going to get my healing like that woman with the issue of blood who had spent all of her money 12 years trying to get healed. And she said to herself, she heard about this Jesus and she said to herself, if I go to him and if I touch the hem of his robe, I shall be healed. Now, we could read that very quickly and not understand the backdrop. To, in in Jesus' day, it was forbidden for a woman with an issue of blood or any kind of sickness to enter into public. It was forbidden for a woman to approach a rabbi in public. It was forbidden for a woman to touch a rabbi. And this woman could care less because she knew what she needed. She needed a healing. She pushed herself through. And when she touched the, the tallit or the titsi of Jesus' robe, his prayer shawl. Jesus stopped and he said, who touched me? And his disciples, Lord, are you whack? You see the crowd around you? You see the crowd around you? How could you ask such a thing? He said, no, 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 you don't understand. I felt power leave me. Because her action of going out for prayer and touching, she met the power. It's like when you plug a light into an outlet, there's power, there's potential on the other side of that outlet. Until you plug it in and until you turn it on, can that power flow and light that light bulb. The power has always been available to you. The power is Jesus Christ. I'll act as an outlet for you. I'll act that the power of God's throne would flow through me to you if you need healing, if you need any kind of prayer. I'll make myself available and I'll pray over here. I want to thank Matt and Jess. I love this couple. I absolutely love your pastor. He's like a little brother to me. He is a man of God and he needs your prayers. He needs your unity. He needs your willingness to love unconditionally. He needs your ability not to be judgmental. He is just a man who's led by Christ, but he's not a perfect man. There was only one who walked planet Earth.
He needs you to be able to overlook his shortcomings. He needs you to not put such high expectations on him that he can never meet your expectations. He needs you to love him and serve him and walk alongside of him so that you can reach the lost and the dying of Bangor, Maine and the surrounding areas. God bless each and every one of you. I love you and I'm privileged to be here this morning. Do something for King Jesus. Amen. I'll go over here and if you need prayer, you can come over for prayer. If not, I think you're dismissed, right? You're dismissed. You can go in. And if you if you got time and you, and you don't need prayer and you want to say a quick hello, I'm happy to greet you out in the lobby if you want to say hello. But again, thank you and God bless you. Thank you so much for listening to the Pines Church Podcast, a sermon resource provided by the Pines Church in Bangor, Maine. We'd love to hear from you, so leave us a review on this podcast. If you have any questions, visit thepineschurch.com. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.